Hello, everyone, and welcome to our second episode, the first one at our, at our kind of normal, normal proper time of 8 o'clock on a Tuesday night. And it has been an interesting day in the EB world, particularly those of you who uh, jump around the Facebook pages that are out there, as I'm no doubt most of you do. Uh, I suspect, uh, again, because of that, we might have a few of our Australian cousins in the room, and um, hello if you are watching. Uh, now, uh, a little bit of housekeeping first. This is a live show, obviously, uh, and we do take comments. So don't forget, if you're on Facebook or YouTube, uh, jump into those comments and uh, ask us questions, uh, give your opinions on things. We'll bring them into the conversation as much as we can. Uh, my preference for people to, uh, to view this is YouTube, but Facebook seems to be pretty popular as well. Uh, just be aware, you may not see other people's comments. I think the people on YouTube can see Facebook comments and so on and so forth. Uh, but I can see them all in here. We've already got uh, already got one popping up. Uh, Ned Van Giffen saying good evening. Uh, thanks for joining us, Ned. Uh, now, we have a uh, couple of guests tonight. Great guests. We always do. We always have panelists. That's the idea of this show. So I'm going to bring them in now. The first one is from uh, the All That Tesla uh, podcast, uh, bringing in uh, Martin. Thanks for uh, Martin Kane. Thanks for joining us, Martin. It's great to be here. Thank you very much. Excellent. And from Taupo, the man with a very weird tow vehicle and who's probably sold a heck of a lot of you your electric vehicles. I have uh, Steve Greenwood from Drive EV. Thanks for joining us, Steve. Hey, Richard. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, and, um, no yeah. Hey, everyone. Hope you're having a good night. <laughs> now, are you at home tonight, Steve, or you're off on some crazy tour delivering a leaf on the back of... What's the name of your, your, your tow wagon? Uh, Hulk. <laughs> Hulk. Hulk, the towing Tesla, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. It started off as, um, yeah, trying to think of a cool name for a green car, uh, which was a dull green car, and now it's a very, very, very loud green car. <laughs> so, yeah. For those who don't know much about Hulk, I mean, can you tell them what Hulk does? I mean, what's what's Hulk's job around Drive EV? Drive EV, of course, is a is an electric vehicle dealership based in Taupo. Yeah, so um, so basically, Hulk is a P100 2015 Tesla Model S. Um, so for those who know their Tesla categories, a P100 is not a factory built car. So um, uh, Hulk basically started its life as a 85 kilowatt hour um, P85 plus. I can't remember. Yeah, plus or or just performance. Um, and yeah, we basically upgraded it just to do the task at hand, which is to deliver all of our electric cars up and down the country. We're central North Island, so um, we seem to be sort of heading in all directions at all times. So um, yeah, it covers about 70,000 Ks a year. Um, it's only been one year, but yeah, that's what it's done so far. And it's probably 80% of the time has two and a half ton behind it, um, which yeah, so it's been a bit of a test case to see how that car would handle uh, the abuse uh, or the, the, the constant work being treated like a, a you know, a farm ute in some cases. Um, so yeah, that's basically what the car does. And, and it really turns some heads, heads now. And, and um, we often get the whole, hang on a minute, but EVs can't tow um, comment when we pull up, even with an empty trailer and you're like, you haven't seen anything yet. So, yeah. <laughs> Have you have you had uh, Steve on your podcast, Martin, to talk about that very unique Tesla? If not, surely it's going to happen. 
Uh, no, I haven't. Um, but, uh, you know, towing Tesla Model S's, uh, I do think of Jonathan Daly, born electric, um, that tows an electric digger around on the back of his Model S from job to job. So um, that maybe is the South Island uh, version of Hulk. Right. Yeah, yeah. I believe um, when I was away, probably on a mission somewhere, um, yeah, that, that Giro popped in, I, I think. Is that with the electric digger? Exactly. Is that the, yeah, yeah. So, the, so is he all the way from down south? He lives place. in Dunedin. Lives in Dunedin. Oh, okay. uh, right. Yeah, interviewed him um, uh, June last year, I think. And uh, yep. yeah, got a, yeah, he's got a lovely family, and uh, they are all into electric cars. And he's got an old Model S that tows that huge digger around the place. And uh, yep. yeah, yeah, and that's a factory electric digger. Is that right, or is, is it something that he's built? Yes, uh, no, it's factory electric digger. Um, JCB from memory. And uh, and uh, and factory Tesla as well. So, yeah, yeah, oh, very good. Cool. And, and what have you had recently on the on the podcast for those who who don't listen regularly? Naughty people who um, don't. Right. Well, um, I think one of our more popular ones was, of course, the introduction of the Model Y to New Zealand that uh, that hit the records, um, broke the insurance one that had previously been sitting there, and uh, recently um, we've had Stephanie. Um, Smith's Canahan, I think it is, from uh, Hecatron, and um, talking about uh, setting up an AC charging Facebook group, and also about the um, the installation that uh, her family had of a Tesla supercharger um, stall. I think there were four chargers uh, installed at um, one of the places or um, estates that they own in the UK. So uh, that was that was really exciting to um, to see. You can actually wow. get a Tesla supercharger installed if you need to. <laughs> <laughs> now, while we're talking about the uh, the Model Y, I've had an interesting thing with the Model Y over the last uh, ooh, last week. Um, by we by virtue of my job and, and and weird structures, I've ended up with two of Tesla's demonstrator Model Ys on uh, my Tesla app, and. You people out there going and test driving Model Ys, you are very, very naughty people. <laughs> the number of alerts I'm getting for people driving Model Ys through the 80 kilometer zone of State Highway 16 in Auckland City at 137 kilometers an hour, because I think that's where the limit is, is, uh, <laughs> is where I ended up having to text uh, Tesla uh, in Australia that I saying, could you remove these cars because people are being uh, really naughty and i'm getting way too many um, way too many uh things i'm trying to i'm trying to find the uh the, yeah, the, track, the, the trackers on vehicles are, are dangerous things for those who don't know they're there um <laughs> if you ever have if you ever have joe Cabuso on the show from northland he'll tell you a funny story that i won't tell you about his son driving a, a vehicle well, or the tracker <laughs> well, well i'm not i'm not sure if this will show on the camera but this is um this is the speed alerts for one car in the last three days Still goes. <laughs> so, what trick is that? Is that high speed or acceleration or high speed? So, uh, right. the all the Tesla demo cars are set to 137 kilometers speed limit. I guess because they don't want them being confiscated if you were going over 140. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, someone's um, uh, it, and it and it warns you, yeah, when it gets within five kilometers. Now, I'm assuming when they say gets within five kilometers that it's hit it because. Yeah. Why, 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 if you can do 130, if you can do 132, you might as well do 137. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well the, well, the problem with those cars is, is you just put your foot down, and the numbers get really, really big, really, really fast. Um, so yeah. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly, exactly. And, Can and you I'm not, sure not valet mode remotely, Richard. Valet mode. Oh, well, the, they're not uh, my cars, so I'm not going to be able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm sure there's a few people listening to who've uh, received their model Ys in the last uh, week or two. I know my friend Derek; uh, he's received his, and he is a very, very happy man. He's already dealing with some friends who are a bit funny on EVs, and just yeah, that's what happens, I guess. But anyway, and I, I think there's a few people getting their at uh, 03s now too i'm not the only one with one parked in the driveway i hope uh, particularly a few people were in wellington um so uh yeah uh, congratulations to all those new byd and model y owners who are uh, who are listening to us for the first time so uh let's uh get on with the episode as such and i'm just trying to work out here the system let us switch to the news Yeah, the uh, the connecting graphics haven't got anything particularly better in the last uh, in the last week. I'll fix them up one day, but for now they'll do the trick. So uh, yeah, let's uh, cut into the news from EVs and Beyond, of course. And the first one is what I think a lot of people are expecting us to talk about today, and that is the BYD service cost chaos, as my producer Matthew has written it in the script. Uh, well, dozens of Australian order holders, uh, sorry, dozens of Australian order holders for the BYD 803 have taken to social media in outrage over what some are calling extremely high servicing costs. That's not expected to be the case in New Zealand. A list of minimal service requirements to keep the 803 in good order has been sent to each BYD dealer around the country, as New Zealand has a franchise dealer model which is different to Australia, says BYD Auto NZ brand manager Warren Wilmot. He expects costs will be a lot less than in Australia, adding that each dealer sets its own charges. So for those who haven't uh, caught up with what's going on, on over there, they've sent out a uh, service structure which requires the vehicle be serviced every year or 20,000 kilometres, and they vary from 190 something dollars or 100 Australian dollars uh, for the first and kind of every second after that service, and then a charge in between of about five to $600 for the services in between. Um, it's been Someone said that it's about $3,500 over six years. Um, the A lot of people are comparing it to um, uh, the Tesla Model 3 and pointing out the Tesla Model 3 doesn't need servicing. I, I still kind of argue that's not necessarily the case. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it, it does feel like it might be a little bit on the high side, particularly considering the, uh, the way that... Uh, BYD or EV Direct in Australia have pitched themselves as kind of almost following that Tesla model that's slowly been stepping down into somewhat of a normal dealer model of the time with Eagers. Um, Martin, I, I saw you do a little bit of an eye roll there. I mean, can you get away with not servicing a Tesla forever? Um, I um, wouldn't want to. Um, I would say by about 80,000 Ks, I'd want to at least have it looked over. Um, if not, you know, to replace the air filters. Um, I mean, Steve's into servicing these things, so I would, um, I'd almost ask him. But look, uh, when I got my New Zealand new Nissan Leaf, it was uh, around about 150 New Zealand dollars for every six months to maintain a warranty and a service schedule in that. Um, I, when I first got a Tesla, you could purchase a service plan, and it was eye-watering really expensive. In the US, you can still purchase a four-year plan for nineteen hundred US dollars, which is uh, about four hundred and seventy-five US dollars per year for servicing. Um, uh, I looked at some forums for the Ionic Five. Um, the services there in 
in the UK were £60, £180, £60, £520 from year on year. Um, look, maybe you can get away with it, but um, you know, I don't think that this um, BYD services from Australia are, are significantly out there from what you'd expect for a new EV, particularly when um, you know, service centres have probably got to tool up and start training staff to deal with um, that. I think you know, early adopters will pay some reasonably high prices. So I wouldn't say it was too bad. Steve, what's your advice to your customers on whether vehicles need to be serviced or not? Um, I mean, it's 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 one of those things. I think most of the cars that we've had so far have been Nissan Leafs. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there who've done absolutely nothing to them. Um, and, you know... You don't really see huge repercussions from that so far. Um, I mean, we generally stick to the, um, the the manufacturer's service schedules, which you know, on the likes of the Leaf is pretty minimal anyway. Um, besides the brake fluid, which we've sort of put down to more um, of the condition of the fluid, um, opposed to just dropping it every two years. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting one. Like, I mean, we have done yeah basically i've been i'm being trolled by ned privately about um, how much servicing I've, we've done on hulk so far and um you know it's 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 one of those things that we generally find like what we find fails on electric cars is things like motor bearings um occasionally reduction gears can fail um i've heard of a lot more reduction gears and leaves failing than i've seen um you know so there's there's people who recommend doing them at fifty thousand k's um but there's ones that have done 200 plus and they're totally fine. So it's yeah, it's one of those things. I think doing, you know, preventative servicing is is never a bad thing. But realistically, if you if you go through an electric car and, and the actual things, you know, like a um, pollen filter, you know, like if you don't change your pollen filter, your drivetrain of your electric car and your battery is not going to have any sort of difference. It's it's a it's a you know it, fil- it filters pollen. For your heater um so there's those sort of things that there's really only reduction fluid um and coolant um that actually should make your car la- last longer um, yeah yeah so. uh, uh, warren from be new zealand you know in his in his comments this afternoon he has suggested that you know they're not going to do a necessarily a fixed scheme like australia is doing uh, and in the same time what they say what he's likely to say is that there are items that aren't necessarily going to be important to your warranty. So they might require to maintain your warranty, things like the, the 40, every 40,000 K having the reduction gear oil change. And there's plenty of arguments either way on that. I don't see the issue with doing it. I think it's a smart idea. I think there's been issues with some of the Hyundai product around not having that changed. Uh, I know Tesla hasn't necessarily advised to do it, but I think it's good belt and braces. Um, but for example, they won't, if you don't decide to get your filters changed every year, they're not going to, it's not going to affect your warranty. Um, but I think we should see, or hopefully we'll see some more guidance from on that. But I think that's quite a pragmatic way of looking at it. Uh, and again, it's up to the dealers um, uh, for the f- costs in New Zealand. Uh, he says, um, uh, quote, uh, one dealer is something like servicing at three years for $990, but all dealers are separate. Uh, so costs vary. Um, and, and look, if it's $990 for three years, maybe that's a prepaid deal. I don't know the detail on that. Uh, then that's a pretty good deal, I think um and uh it's it's one of those things like it's um if you look at it from a logical point of view of every little thing and you're like okay well you know um 
to change the coolant that's x and and y for this but there's there's all those um costs that go along with a workshop and we've we've very um new to knowing all those costs because um ned and myself have just set up a, a service center that we're about to launch um and you know having the car washed having someone there to answer your questions having roadside assistance having help you know all of those things come at a cost um so to have a service center available um you're not just paying for fluid and you know what how long it would take to do an easy job you, you're paying for the, the the support basically yeah yeah totally agree if i look at i mean i look at the byd manual for example and in the maintenance schedule there there are four and a bit pages full of things that need to be checked at a service most of them every 12 months some of them every 24 months in the manual so you know even even for a technician to go through that's you know those sorts of things if they're going to follow the manual um it's going to take some time for a technician and you know they've got to be reasonably well paid because you know you're dealing with newer vehicles now and um you know the courses to be trained to deal with these things are apparently a wee bit more expensive than they used to be mm-hmm. yeah, no, and I also think the fact that these are new new vehicles as well so i mean we're, we're comparing we're all you know we're not all but we're a lot of us are driving this in leafs and sort of going well there's the reduction fluid that's 20 minutes um, in a litre and, and there's the cabin filter there's you know 20 minutes and a 30 dollar filter so there may be a lot more things on this machine you know I think also the servicing is an interesting part of the, the difference between New Zealand and Australia. And lowest outrage has been in Australia, though there, there's been questions in New Zealand. But I think what we're hearing from BYD New Zealand is that it's certainly the right thing, things. But in Australia, it's, you know, they've pitched it as this very direct model that's turned out to be not very direct ultimately. Um, they had contracted a third party to supply the servicing. They've then kind of been slightly watered down in their, in their part of the deal because of the introduction of Eagers. Uh, to distribute the vehicles, um, and uh, you know, my cars are a great brand, one standings, but it's I don't think it's going to be a dealer service experience. You know, one of the things I think with buying a new vehicle that Tesla's finally getting its head around with these these delivery centers and that is EVs bring a lot of new new bar, a new a lot of new new car buyers to the market. A lot of people who are stepping up in their vehicle spending, basically, and want a little bit of experience, they want to be looked after. And that does come at a cost from both the delivery process. So in New Zealand, I think we're going to get a more full delivery process than we are than they are in Australia. Um, and then in the service process, and to give you an example of that, when our previous ICE car, and we were getting that serviced at four dealerships, we ended up going to a particular dealership a couple of times because my wife really liked the service center there and it was easy and convenient for her to go and they had the tea that she liked and there was cake out and all this kind of stuff. Um, uh, and again, that all costs money having that as part of the experience. The shuttle to drop you to town, the dealerships we have in New Zealand doing that, they put real cost into that and a real real effort into that and that's going to cost money too. Um, so yeah, it's... Uh, uh, an interesting one. I think we're hearing the right things in New Zealand. Australia, I think the biggest issue with Australia is not the service pricing. It's a little bit of it. I think that EV Direct or whatever they're becoming BYD Auto now are really running a really rough line with their customers at the moment. They've made a lot of promises over the last two years that they are, I wouldn't say they're not delivering on, but they're certainly tweaking the tweaking the numbers as they go so you know the, the outrage today has not just been about the servicing but it's been about the warranty they changed the terms of the warranty uh, and a lot of stuff's been cut out of the warranty or cut down to fairly early in the piece um 
The delivery times. Australia's had their delivery times pushed out multiple times now. The cars are more expensive than when they originally announced. Uh, it's the people are seeing cars coming into the country and no one's telling when they're going to get their vehicles. I think people over there are just getting really frustrated and are kind of on a bit of a knife edge. Uh, and I think EV Direct need to, or EV Direct need BYD Australia, Nexport, whatever, whoever the heck they are now, need to just stop for a second, breathe, and start realizing that they are breaking promises now and that is why they're getting in trouble, not necessarily the detail. If they had declared this earlier or if they'd been more clear on what they were saying or if they hadn't done it the same day that they essentially fiddled with the warranty uh then maybe there wouldn't have been such a backlash yeah so, no like i think we're i think we're heading into um another phase of of buyers um you know where you've sort of got the early adopters or even the you know the the super early adopters who are just happy to get a, an electric car and they just they're happy to and i mean we we've seen these people come from australia and pop into drive ev you know not recently but two two or so years ago um going oh my god here's a car and people can buy them here and just drive <laughs> like this is ridiculous you know and, and you sort of have that early phase but when we're hitting the market we're hitting now is not as much um i want to buy an electric car and and that's my passion and, and all that it's just should I buy a petrol one, a diesel one, or an electric one? And and, and those sort of buyers, um, you know, expect a standard of service and expect to, you know, their things to be backed up and and that yeah. kind of thing. You know, well, well, prime example of that is that I'm very I'm aware that there are people who flow in across from Australia to test drive a BYD Eight Hundred Three in New Zealand because wow. you still can't <laughs> test drive a car in Australia. And if you were lucky, you got to go to a showing and see it for a few minutes, and even that was badly handled. Um, yeah, it's hopefully it settles down because I, I think EV Direct are at real risk of doing brand damage in Australia and that will be really sad for sad for BYD. Um, and hopefully it doesn't spill over here because I personally think, and I know I've got connections to the to the team here in New Zealand, that BYD New Zealand hasn't been perfect, but they've done a pretty good job. They've generally under-promised and over-delivered and I think that's what you uh, what you need to do. So uh, yeah, let's uh, move on from that. We'll we'll just quickly run to the comments for a section session uh, a second. It seems to be a little bit of a uh, um, people tied to you somehow, Steve, floating around tonight. So we've got uh, Mark Buckingham saying hello, fellas. Uh, talking about servicing because hey, Mark, Mark people Mark don't know who Mark uh, Mark is. Kind of the tow bar king. He runs around the country fitting Model 3 tow bars. <laughs> That's right. And Nita's the tow bar queen, I think, or prince. We, we haven't done that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's uh, funny. Uh, just back, yeah. Uh, and then uh, just a comment there from uh, Trisha Hudson, who's, I think, become the Yato 3 queen, who was on last week. Uh, Aussie still can't test drive. No wonder I got a third, got 13,000 views on my review with Tesla Tom. I can beat that, Trisha. The EVs and Beyond Walkaround has now had 56,000 views. Uh, and wow. the uh, videos I promised last week are launching in the next two days. So we've got one coming out tomorrow and one coming out the day after. So we've got the delivery session, which is it's not a full delivery. It's just a bit of fun with my little toddler daughter and wife. Uh, and uh, the... Um, uh, then the road trip. So we did the 1500 kilometers in the BYD. So that stuff's coming too. Uh, movie Remix uh, on YouTube. 
says, in the warranty schedule for Australia, lots of components are being listed only to be covered for three years or six months, such as wheel bearings, shock absorbers, and infotainment. Makes me reconsider. Yeah, I've seen that too. We've discussed that in our story. If you look at uh, evsandbeyond.co.nz or autotalk.com.au, um, that's an, an interesting one. They have put a lot of restrictions. Now, longer uh, uh, warranties are usually have restrictions on them. Um, we've seen that with uh, a range of the ICE vehicle warranties that are longer, but some of them are a bit funny in that warranty. And I think unveiling that at the same time as putting out that they've cut the warranty by a year or, or whatever it is, two years, I'm not sure. It's so confusing now is uh, uh, rather um, rather interesting. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's not a fun thing over there. And I, I do feel a bit for you owners because in New Zealand, you can walk in tomorrow and go and test drive a BYD803 and... I think 300 people are going to have them within the next few weeks in New Zealand. So sorry about that, guys. Uh, so let's uh, move on to the next topic. And we're, we're still an Aussie, but it's such a cool Aussie story. Uh, an Australian bank has confirmed it will stop offering uh, loans for fossil fueled vehicles. So this is uh, Bank Australia, and they're going to phase out loans on new cars by 2025 in an effort reduce, to reduce emissions. Bank Australia confirmed the news late last week. It aims to achieve net zero internally by 2035, explaining that it believes a 2050 net zero target is too late. Uh, the bank terms fossil fuel vehicles as all pure internal combustion engine models and hybrid models. It's unclear whether plug-in hybrids are applicable. Um, so yeah, that's a really bold move by a bank. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's an, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of, I guess, applaud them to an extent. Um I wonder if these guys don't actually find it sort of vehicles, and it's a bit of a shell, a bit of a grey move. But I don't know. You guys got any thoughts on this one? Um, funny you should mention bold move because it's exactly what I wrote down as well, Richard. Um, yeah, they've really they've really put their their line in the sand, I suppose, um, to all other banks. Um, I can imagine, you know, those who are environmentally concerned may well, you know, may well get an increase in customers there. You might get a couple of the old uh, haters leaving as a result just to protest and then a great majority 98 percent is going to be okay whatever um you know looking at the the similar thing here you know there's a there's a few things which i'm sure we'll come to later um i would look at bold move done um what's the ongoing commitment to um you know, environmental issues for that bank, you know, before before I would change. But uh, I think we're coming to New Zealand banks and what they're doing later anyway, Richard, but that's my initial one with Australia. You know, um, how much of a big custom? Not sure, but uh, wow, what an amazing move for a bank. Yeah, I think they're saying yeah. net zero internally by 2035. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of thought this one was quite interesting because, um, I mean, if you, like, this space is so hard to pick how fast things are going to move and what's, you know, what timelines it, it always has been, you know, regardless of how much time you spend studying the market, you know, it's so hard to pick. And I mean, almost like, is it, is it from a security point of view, you know, I mean, if you've got um, all these loans out, you know, if you've got five year loans out on, on, you know, brand new 60, $70,000 combustion vehicles. Um, if in that space, there is a huge movement to electric vehicles, um, you know, are those assets secured or, or like, is it actually a, a security thing where um, that $50,000 loan has got a $10,000 asset on the end of it, <laughs> um, you know, so it's, 
Yeah, I guess um, it's interesting because things change so fast. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. with technology, if if something is off and old news and clearly gone forever, it goes from being worth 100 to 10, you know, like... Um, so, yeah, well, I think we mentioned this last week. I was speaking to the to the head of a, uh, a major leasing company in New Zealand. He says that he foresees in the next few years they'll draw the line on on leasing uh, um, ICE passenger cars because, you know, when they buy something like that, their pricing and, and how much they make out of it is based on not so much what they buy it for, but what they can sell it for in three to four years' time. And it's just mm. becoming a risk for them. Mm. And I mean, that lease is always going to, it's the gap in the middle, isn't it? You know, you buy for X and sell for Y and, and your customer pays, um, you know, it's sort of, you're always working on that residual value. Mm-hmm. Um, so so there are a few banks running similar schemes in New Zealand. We've um, seen ANZ's uh, 1% good energy loan offer here. Trisha's just mentioning that. Where are that one? I was helping a mate. Uh, he's getting a, an 803, so I sourced a VOSA for him yesterday so that he could um, uh, get uh, his... Uh, application in for that and as Ned points out uh, Westpac is doing a similar thing uh, The I think it's 80k that they'll do you at 6.99% so you can do solar and stuff as well um, not sure in regards to other ones but I'm sure there's a few out there I know UDC was and a couple of other finance companies were running low rates for a while uh, our MG was on a I think a 5.99% deal with UDC that they're running on all uh, electric vehicles Um yeah, it's good to see the ba- the the banks and stuff are getting in there and doing this stuff. I think some of them want to secure the business because uh, statistically, in the early days, and Steve, you might have back be able to back this up. There was generally pretty low finance um, penetration, for to use an industry term, uh, on mm. uh, electric vehicles. Um, generally, people who were buying them were more financially savvy, uh, more financially prepared. But arguably, that's a sector of the market that you want. If you can give a loan to somebody who's more financially savvy and prepared, then there's mm. a far, late, far uh, lower proposition. I mean, have you, you've been in the industry a while, but shifting into electric vehicles, did you see a drop in the number of people actually wanting loans on cars, Steve? Yeah, we, we absolutely did. So, I mean, uh, with generally through car yards with finance, there's a lot of money to be made. Um, you know, you basically have your buy rate and then your sell rate and then um, the bid in between is, is the margin for the dealer. Um, so what we found is like a, lo- like a lot of yards, that is what they survive on. Um, excuse me, I'll let the dog in. <laughs> um, so that's the, uh, you know, that's the, that's the, what they survive on, um, which we found just going a totally opposite way. So we basically adjust our finance rate to our costs. So we, we make basically nothing on finance um, because we want to enable people to buy electric cars as opposed to make money out of out of selling money because that's sort of a different business. As soon as we switched to that sort of platform, it was a total game changer in, 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 in finance penetration. Um, I mean, it, it obviously wasn't, um, you know, a, a bump in profit, but, you know, like I, I always say to my sales rep, Basically, everyone's talking about what's the best EV deal. How can we do a, an amazing EV deal? And I basically just say to them, it just has to be a good deal. You know, that's you can't smoke in mirrors. You can't do you know these big fancy things and don't pay anything for two years and <laughs> all this sort of nonsense. It's just you know good interest rates, transparent documents, and and you know actual good deals. Because if they're not, um, you know your general buyer will will spotter and be like no thanks i can do better um 
So, yeah, it's, which is, yeah, different to your general industry. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the finance game is just so complex. I think this is going to be a great way to uh, for them to get people on board. Um, it's, uh, yeah, just, it's a smart move. Um, the the uh, interesting thing, of course, is, you know, we kind of discussed it. Discussed it. I haven't actually had a look, but, uh, but Matthew's telling me that uh, if you jump on Facebook around some of these early schemes, a lot of negative comments, things like, oh, you know, I, I, why can't I get that deal for my farm vehicle? Um, there's people saying online they'll be leaving Bank Australia. Good riddance, I guess. There's plenty of banks. <laughs> yeah, Choose your poison. Choose your yeah. poison. Yeah. Just, just to sort of add to that, we um, we get reports back from um, the finance company we deal with, UDC, and I can't remember the exact terminology, but our our buyers are, you know, the sort of the top shelf, you know, pay every time, no issues. Mm. So, you know, maybe banks are seeing that and, and, and sort of seeing that these are responsible people, generally speaking. Um, so you don't, you know, you don't have as high a risk. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's awesome to see. One of the things I understand with, uh, you know, not sure who who's aware of this, but there, there was a law change last year um, for something called the, and I'm not going to know detail out, but the Triple CFA. Um, so basically they changed the consumer contracts in New Zealand, made it that they had to do a lot more work, and you'd know this well now, Steve, about making sure people could actually afford the loan, go into their, the finance companies to go into their bank statements and work out that you're not spending too much on McDonald's and blah, 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 <laughs> all those kind of things. Now, my understanding is it's actually easier for the finance company to get a deal across the line on an EV because all the spending currently that's being done on petrol, mm. you can pull out of it and your affordability instantly becomes easier. Yeah, that's um, that's exactly right. So we've, we when that came out, it was, you know, this is the end, everyone, you know, <laughs> this is chaos <laughs> and we'll never sell a car again. Everyone will be declined and we're like, oh, this sounds really bad. Um, I mean, we didn't have, we didn't notice it at all with, with you know, acceptancy rates and, and it did, it's, it's, it's been tricky because there's actually been a lot of changes back and forth, um, you know, like the McDonald's thing, that's, that's sort of gone, I think they've got, like, I'm no expert on the matter, but I, I believe that's kind of started off, but yeah, that's, that's, eliminated now but they can actually look at real um you know your real spendings and mm. i mean when when the the war in ukraine sort of hit um and fuel prices went ballistic you know we had people who couldn't afford to drive to work unless they bought an electric car on finance um and you know probably on the old scheme you would look at it and you say they can't afford to buy this car where you know, in this sense, they can't afford not to buy this car because they're 40 bucks a week better off. And, and that's a lot of money and, 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 you know, tight households and, you know, these sort of tight times. Steve, he's been something I've, uh, I've heard a number of people interested in purchasing EVs is, look, you know, your, your dealer is, your secondhand dealer is likely to um, be able to give you an EV for the amount that you are spending each week on fuel. Um Look, just looking at that, quick round numbers for what someone would spend driving, um, you know, 100 k's uh, a day, or, oh, sorry, what am I saying? Uh, 120 k's a week on fuel. What could they purchase from you? What sort of vehicle could they purchase and not really be paying any more? Um, so, I mean, you generally find uh, probably something like a 30 kilowatt hour leaf would pretty easily fit in that category where they would they would not only you know I'm, I'm just generally speaking but i you know if you work on 120 dollars a week um on petrol we find that people who do a lot of commuting like they do a you know 
maybe 100 k's a day or 70 k's a day, a decent commute on the open road, 20 bucks is about where the higher mileage people spend if they're plugging it at home on night rates. Um, you know, so if you're not 20 bucks off that for your electricity running costs, you'd probably find you, you could get payments for about $80 a week and, um, you know, in turn, be better off um, and also have a, a nice car that, that has stability control and, you know, maybe mm -hmm. things that your other one didn't and doesn't need a cam belt for a grand and, you know, this, that and the other. But, um, and they're, they're the real stingers, which I've seen. Um, I mean, I've been in the motor trade for a long time and started off in that sort of $15,000 um, car bracket. And, you know, the the, the sting is, is, is you've got your payments and you're paying it per week and this, that and the other, and that's your petrol and everything else. And then you get some, oh, something something bad happens or something unexpected happens and you, you need a grand. And, and, you know, a lot of these um, sort of households, unfortunately, don't have that money and, and, it, and it gets sort of tricky. So... Yeah. if i run through my numbers when i got when we got our first ev martin um we were we had a um ex-lease ford cougar that we were paying 750 bucks a week a month on um and then we were spending about 400 bucks a week in petrol back then uh probably by current pricing about 550 600 bucks a week in fuel when we shifted the mg our payments uh and we didn't trade in the ford we kept it and sold it separately uh the payments went up by uh, 250 dollars a week um, so actually our net payment when you take fuel into account went down by quite a bit and would be down even further now um, it's uh, and that was for the same kind of loan term so it's it, even if you're still spending up to to get a better vehicle it it, it does make a lot of sense uh, mm. right and let's that, um sorry, let's move on to, yep sorry Steve I was just gonna say um, I, I think a big thing we're finding as well is the thing with an electric vehicle is, is you've got a lot more control over that, um, you know, fuel source as, as such where, you know, um, power may go up, but it's got a, a cutoff point where you can generate it yourself. You know, you, there's limitations on it, which we don't have. Um, so that 120, like you say, can turn into a, a sad number. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, uh, let's get on to the next story. Um the Skoda EVs are on display from tomorrow uh, in Auckland. Uh, so an early look at Skoda's first fully electric car arriving in New Zealand, the Enyaq, is at the car store in Auckland from August 24 to September 6. Uh, the car store, for those of you who don't know, it's, it's a bit of a brand experience from the Giltrap Group. So this is a genuine new factory Skoda. We'll get on to some other, other topics around that in a second. Um, so you can jump in the driver's seat and get a feel for the design and quality of this groundbreaking new car. It's the first time it's been display in on display in New Zealand, says Skoda New Zealand. Cough, cough. Because you've had one, Steve. In fact, I think you've, you've had more than one by now? Yeah, we've. I think we've had a couple, yeah. yeah. So um, no, we jumped on them pretty early on. We actually, um, we almost cancelled them because this machine was due a long time ago. I think it was two years ago. I think it was delayed by two years. Um, but yeah, they're great car, really nice car, um, really comfortable, and um, yeah, some the big battery models got some some serious range, and yeah, lovely car. Are you tempted, Martin? <laughs> I'm 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 totally overwhelmed with the number of new vehicles that are available. <laughs> Seriously, look, six months and it, ago, and it's, and it's only growing. 
Oh, yeah. look, yeah. you know, it was so easy way back, you know, five five years ago that you, you had a choice of a leaf or a, uh, probably a tester at that stage or, um, and then the ionic came up. Uh, look, I'm just, my head swims now. Um, you know, um, we, we are looking for another vehicle um, to, as Miss 16 sort of starts driving a leaf maybe, maybe with a replaced battery. Um, and I just, I, I don't know where to go. Um, we've got MG 51 kilowatt hour. We've got the Skoda, well, I don't know which particular model we're looking at, but you know, various ranges there. Um, everything's squeezed into under eighty thousand um, dollars. I'm lost. <laughs> I'm seriously can, lost. Can, 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 can I can I complicate this more for you? Because we've got more stuff coming. We have Aura is going to be here by the end of the year. Uh, Sanyong's about to launch a sixty-three kilowatt medium-sized SUV. Uh, um, Mahindra are bringing some vehicles to test here late this year, as we discussed last week. Uh, there's other stuff coming I can't really talk about, but yeah, the choice is just about to go, uh, about to go nuts. Um, I think the interesting thing with this car is what you are looking at there, and I'm going to put that back up. That is going to be New Zealand's first electric police car. We know that's it's pretty much a given that that will be New Zealand's first electric police car. And isn't that going to look cool with police colours and some lights on the top? Absolutely. Yeah. Totally, I might, I might join the police force at this rate. <laughs> I was thinking of joining a life of crime, but yeah, maybe, maybe that's a bit away. <laughs> Just go for a ride. <laughs> I, I bumped into They're one. Lovely in the back, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I, I bumped into one recently at uh, um, uh, at the Charger in uh, Walkworth, uh, and it's probably one you sold, Steve. I think uh, the guy was a bit of a travelling technician or something like that. And um, yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Yep, yep. Yeah, and and it was. It was surprisingly big. It was really big, far bigger than I expected it to be. Um, so yeah, I think it's a really good size car for New Zealand. Um, you know, potentially. Now, I guess the question is, will it actually make it onto under the eighty thousand dollar limit? I think they'll be working hard to try and do that, but it might be a bit tough. Well, just looking at the specs, I mean, the the motors there. I mean, I look back to the IB fifty. It was one hundred and nine kilowatts. It's hardly a you know, hugely powerful motor. That what's the IV eighty? The all wheel drive is two hundred and twenty five. I don't know how's it getting up there with new vehicles now. I'm sort of sitting on three fifty myself, and I don't know quite how two twenty five compares. Is is that sort of a, a pretty small motor? Well, it's not massively powered, but um, I'm I'm always a bit wary about some of the big outputs that are quoted. So, and, and I'm, this isn't me being anti-Tesla, but I, I sat down with an Audi engineer once and this is at the launch of the e-tron and he said that, because, you know, you got this, a lot of people at the time were criticizing the e-tron for only doing like zero to 105 seconds when a Model X could do it in three and a what bit. And he said, oh, look, push a button, we could make our cars do the same thing, but we choose not to because we'd get crucified if we had motors failing. Um, and I wonder if sometimes it's the same thing there. They're just trying to basically make durable cars. I also question sometimes some of the claim outputs of some of the vehicles on the road. You take, for example, the Model Y, I think is of all of about 0 0.4, 0 0.5 seconds faster to 100 than a BYD803, yet apparently it's got another 50%, 60, 70% horsepower on top of the Yeddo. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, so, yeah. Tricky. I think Tricky a lot of it is colours. Um, I mean, basically, they're they're programmed to deliver it in the exact way that the you know the, the maker wants it to be delivered. So mm. um, you you can find like I've noticed with the 
you know, with the the older Tesla 85s and then the P85s, um, you know, if you look at the, the numbers between them, um, they're definitely tuned, well, I don't know if tuned is right, that's probably an old-fashioned word, but um, set up in a way that uh, delivers it in a, oh, I'm in a sports car, opposed to, you know, oh, this is the, you know, the slower sort of one. Um, but, I mean, I, I found with the Skoda and, and that sort of thing, um, it's not a rocket ship, but it's, it doesn't, yeah, because you get it instantly, unless you want to drive your family around at 160, um, you know, hooning around, that zero to 100 or zero to 50, probably more like it, is so much faster than what, what you're used to in, in a combustion vehicle anyway. Mm. Um, you'd be kind of pressed in New Zealand to introduce a vehicle that wasn't under $80,000, though, wouldn't you? I mean, you know, you'd be going back to, you know, the, the sales of five years ago for that particular model. It would be barely worth introducing it to the country. I, I think you've got to look at the market dynamics, though, and this comes back to when the EQA was, EQA was launched, was that they potentially could have bought in a variant under $80,000, but their customers don't want that. They want the car that has the leather, that has all these various bits, and they had as, were able to sell as many as they could get. Um, and I think that's a factor too, is you've got to balance what you can sell it, sell it for versus how many you can get. These European brands are only being given very small numbers of vehicles to send to New Zealand just due to demand and factory pressure in, in Europe. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why Skoda's taken so long. Um, we know some of the reasons why the Volkswagens have taken so long uh, to arrive in New Zealand was down to the connectivity on the vehicles, and I gather that was an issue. I don't think it's as much of an issue with the Skodas. I'm not sure if you've got any insight into that, Steve. Um, but I think it's more just factory pressure with uh, and availability with why the Enyaq's taken so long. Yeah, I mean, as, as far as I'm aware from a connectivity point of view they're, they're basically the same um mm. but um yeah i'm not not sure about that one but i i think the whole meb platform is under pressure um and we are a very you know small fishbowl in the scheme of um you know electric vehicles and the, the demand and i mean we we have dealt with the uk for quite a while and you know that market's maturer than ours and and you know they're at the stage now where it's you know scrapping for cars and you know things are being sold well over retail and you know i think that eighty eighty thousand dollar target is amazing um but i don't know whether head office in germany are gonna you know see that or whether they're gonna be like well um why sell things for under cost but so it'll be interesting it'll be very interesting well you well the tricky thing is is can you? I had a, a distributor speaking to me recently, questioning whether, because you know, it's quite broadly known the model, the model Y in New Zealand is one of the cheaper places in the world to buy. I think it's including cheaper than China, um, and of course, it's technically in some ways illegal to sell something cheaper in New Zealand than it's available for in its source market. Uh, it's called dumping, um, and they were, you know, obviously they were shit stirring a little bit uh, whether you know the Tesla could be looked at as being dumping model Ys in New Zealand. Uh, and I said, well, you'd struggle to argue that, considering that kind of the government's kind of forcing them to. Um, it, it, the government's put in this artificial market control that's doing that. Um, yeah. Uh, I believe they should lift. I, I see why they've put the 80K in there. It's because they don't want to look bad. You know, they don't want to be seen to be subsidizing rich people's cars. But I personally think they should just drop it because any EV on the road's a good EV on the road. So, yeah. Um, anything's anything's yeah. positive. Yeah, I think as well, uh, like a lot of the buyers, sorry if you don't mind me, um, a lot of the buyers are buying, 
not forever cars, but for a lot longer than they have previously, you know, so they are, you know, like you mentioned about certain features and that sort of thing. You know, we see the people who are buying these cars and they're not buying them and then looking forward to the new model in three years. They're like, all right, this is my car. I'm, I'm done now for the foreseeable future. This is, you know, what I'm keeping. So those, those $40,000, $50,000 buyers, um, you know, are spending, you know, two cars worth, but hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's um let's go to the questions again um and uh, run through a few things we may have some answers to. I'm gonna scroll a wee bit back up. You guys have been busy chatting there. Um. So we won't talk about the various different banks. We'll just kind of leave that to be. Uh, now Trisha says, uh, with regards to entry level EVs, why are the entry level EVs relatively high spec? Would an EV maker be able to make lower spec basic models so that more people can afford them and therefore therefore rely less on financing? It's an interesting question, um, and can if I, I can, yeah, go for it. Man. Can I just quickly go the steep because I, I, next year as that clean car rebate steps up, on my understanding is dealers. Um, for example, if new EV, sorry, new vehicles have to balance out their emissions, don't they? And so, therefore, you're mm. going to probably get a ton of cheap EVs coming through um, Ford dealerships because to you know make up the emissions on the ranges. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, yeah. I mean, as, that, as I understand it, yeah. I mean, yeah, Richard, you probably know a lot more about that. There'll be some balancing, but the reality is, is that Ford's not going to go on. There's no point in going and dumping a whole pile of money on selling EVs cheap to save a few thousand dollars on utes. Mm. But it's, it might be. Uh, the, the, the fine on a, your average Ranger basically will work out to about $5,000 on top of the existing $5,000 one. But the reality is, is that people are spending thousands on on uh, accessories and all this kind of stuff already. It's not going to stop the guy buying a V6 range diesel Ranger. He'll just pay the extra. He probably is paying the extra at the moment just to get to the front of the queue. Um, and it's actually been a big debate about in the industry about how do you how do you work that within a distributor? Do you um, balance the penalty across your range? So do you so do you basically subsidise your your uh, your dirty vehicles with your clean vehicles? So you bring the whole kind of average cost rise on the vehicles down across the range or do you layer it on the vehicle as uh, as it's likely to be impact so you put more you put a charge internally this is all for internal accounting mm. basically on your utes and then put a discount on your uh, on your electric vehicles it's uh it's going to be interesting to see who does what um if mm. that plan gets across the line because or how long it stays because there are massive issues with implementation no much no matter how much the minister wants to stir them under the table and it's sad because you know this scheme has good intentions but it's been very badly implemented with the industry uh, and this is someone who's you know look I I'm very pro EV and I still think the system's actually behind the scenes quite fractured and not very well put together um and also nationals made every sign that if they get anywhere close to lead, to power next year that this is all gone so yeah it's going to be it's going to be an interesting one and it, of course with the election this counts up over the year and then pays out you're going to have to pay the next year um so uh yeah it it may be that no one ever pays for anything if the current government loses power so it'll be yeah, well, sorry, to interrupt, sorry for interrupting but yeah yeah i, I yeah we probably didn't answer that question and <laughs> yeah yeah it's a it's a it's a, a weird um uh, situation with that at the moment but uh, yeah, uh, going on to the um, 
going back to the questions, uh, yeah, so why are there no entry-level EVs? Simple answer from my side, and you guys might have a different opinion, is uh, amortization. So if you're taking a small car that the version with um, uh, with leather versus without leather is about a $3,000 difference, and you're slapping a battery in it and making it $20,000 more expensive, you might as well just go with the more expensive version and make people feel slightly better about what they're buying. Um, because stripping out leather and stripping out alloys doesn't really make that much difference to uh, the price of a car. Um, you guys got a take on that one? Do we need more more entry level spec EVs? Um, yeah, I mean, no, sounds great. I, th- I, th- I think like a lot of features, um, we get used to. You know, the norm that bar moves every year, and you know, the norm was electric windows, air conditioning. You know, and then the norm was cruise control, and now the norm is probably adaptive cruise control, and I think that bar moves to what we call a, a standard car. Um, it, it would have to be pretty cheap if you brought something out that was just totally basic, but um, yeah. I would, said, uh, the model Y that we've got is the cheapest you can possibly get, and almost down spec from you know the minimum minimum model Y that you can get in some other countries. So we certainly they've they've got the most basic they can to get under the 80,000 for the Model Y as far as I understand. Yeah, I think if you were to take a Model Y and strip out the leather and strip out the steel wheels, uh, sorry, strip out the alloys and put steel wheels in it, it would probably almost end up being the same cost because yeah. at the moment they've got the ability just to build everything with the same material in it and saves them many fun on the line. Um, there are cheaper options coming. Um, as I mentioned before, we've got Aura coming. Aura have uh, have told me that they are bringing to New Zealand the smaller battery version of the car. When I say smaller, I think it's still 48 kilowatts um, as alongside the 64 kilowatt one. So that's going to give a, a good option. We've got some of the other, these other brands coming through that are going to provide things. But uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure we're going to see anything massively cheap come through at the moment. It comes down to more like what's good value. I think the BYD is great value. I think the MG is very good value. Um, mm. Despite the BYD's take, BYD taking the headline, I still think a lot of the MGs are this, and I think the new update is going to be a, a big step forward. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the used market, Steve, can fill in a lot of that, that lower-end stuff. I mean, you guys are mm. still happy to keep selling $25,000, $30,000 fairly late model cars? Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's a good point. And, um, yeah, I mean, thanks to the trustiness and leaf. Um <laughs> They, um, you know, they seem to be hanging in there for a, you know, a fairly good distance. So, yeah, I think there's a bit of misinformation out there too about people expecting these value EVs to turn up any day now. Mm. Pricing in yeah, Europe would indicate the MG4 is not going to be that much cheaper than a ZS, if not, maybe not any cheaper than a ZS. Um, mm. And the Dolphin, the BOD Dolphin or Ado2, if it ends up being called that here, is going to be cheaper, but not drastically cheaper. And I'd still argue. Addo 3 probably makes better value because it's an all-rounder uh, and probably better in the long run because it's got a broader buyer base in the used market. Martin, do you think people would buy a a, a fabric seat, no cruise control, steel-wheeled Model 3? Um, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was it's like the first wave of, first wave of Model 3 buyers, you know. I, I knew a lot of people who had their order in Model 3, and they're like, yep, awesome, just going to get that one. I can't remember what that figure was that's much less than it started off as. Um, and then, then you're like, oh, oh you got a, you got a long range, and oh, you got a performance. And they're like, yeah, well, I, can't, I was there, and, <laughs> you know, um, I decided maybe maybe I'll get a fast one, and yeah, so. 
Yeah, yeah. The creep, look, the creep up from a lot of money to a, a, a really lot of money um, is, is usually not that far. So. Yeah, look, the yeah. fact that you don't have to purchase the full self-drive now, you do have the um, enhanced autopilot halfway point um, is probably the, the, the down step that some people would be prepared to make. But, you know, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. no, getting rid of the interior, I don't think so. Totally separate topic, but what do you think of the Californian authorities taking Tesla on around their use of autopilot and full self-drive as terms? It sounds like the authorities there could be getting ready to give Tesla a real good nudge over that one. Uh, look, I don't know. I don't know how much is hate and how much is going to come to fruition. You know, Elon's forever being um, you know, threatened with court over something or other. Um, look, I'll wait until... Till it happens, and then we'll see what happens from there. Mm. Yeah, for, for, so, from yeah, my opinion, te- Tesla does itself a disservice by calling those two items the what they call them that because they're in any sense of the word they're not either, and they're the best systems in the market, but they're not what they say they are on the tin. And surely they could just, yeah, I don't know, call them premium advanced driver assistance or something like that, something that actually is a little more accurate. I think, well, like, well, I think like EV Direct, you're just setting yourself up for customer fit. Uh, you're just kind of setting yourself up for customer dissatisfaction. Yeah. Uh, but we all, know, we all know it's, it's a not. future name, isn't it? <laughs> you know, it's, that's what it's going to be. Yeah, so we'll name it that now and we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> six months, six months. <laughs> we'll start calling this the world famous EVs and Beyond Live then. That's right, um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Margaret Baker, just, just following up on that, says it, it is. Uh, there are people out there uh, buying these things, which in turn gives us a future second-hand market, and that is totally true. Um, so, yeah. Uh, now, I'm just shuffling back up to the front of the page, so through that. Uh, now, uh, <laughs> Jake, you says, any news on other brands coming to NZ soon, like Neo and Leoto? There are other brands coming to New Zealand, I don't think it's those two. Neither of those two have shown any interest in right-hand drive markets, um, but there are definitely other brands entering. We mentioned a few before, uh, and we'll see a lot more coming in the future. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure those ones are going to be on the radar anytime soon, but I could be wrong. Um, again, on the uh, issue around basic stuff, uh, probably the same reason Elon made the fancy roads to a Model S first. It's a big commitment to tool up for EVs. They need to make some decent margins first up. I doubt the Leaf even made any money for Nissan overall. Another aspect to that is that EVs sometimes actually do go better with features that may be considered premium. Speaking to a distributor the other day, they were talking about their new vehicle coming in and their head office was insisting that they spec it with the uprated climate control system heated seats, heated steering wheel, stuff they've never spec'd on their cars in New Zealand before, uh, just because that made sense for an EV. So that's an element of it as well. Um, I guess maybe in the scheme of things, if you know, because I mean, with your electric vehicle, you're buying your charger, you're buying your batteries, you're buying, you know, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. In the scheme of things, maybe if the battery's 70% of the car, you know, maybe those things are, are so small that it's it's more of just the icing on the cake to, yeah, to make yeah. you Pr- price wise. It's, just, you it's know, a far smaller, far smaller combination. Um, the yeah, uh, where are we? Um, Ned says jaded around the lake in it, and if anyone wants to see it on New Zealand roads, uh, he said the people kept confusing him for a cop car. That's on the Yen Yak. Um, <laughs> yeah, Trisha right. says thoughts on the mocker. The mocker is very cool, but 
I don't know. I, I think it's a little too expensive. Um, and unless you really like the look, then yeah, there's other stuff in that price range and that battery size that are probably better options. Uh, so anyone else got any thoughts? We had a bright green mocha through, and it looked stunning. Like it was an absolute stunner of a car. So it's one of those things. It's it's different cars for different people. I think the yeah. the mockery is as a as a real fashion statement. It's a real cool, you know, meets the personality um, of of the, the buyer, um, mm. which is great because we need these different. You know, we experienced that with the Honda E. You know, the, the people we sold Honda E's to were not going to buy an electric car. You know, they wanted to buy a Honda E, and they did. And and that's the mm. beauty of of cars like that. It, it works for certain people. What do you, what do you think of the look of the mocha, uh, Martin? Yep, just uh, just quickly looking it up now and looking up. Funny enough, it was a green one. Um, it has to be green. That's the rule. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I like blue. Um, oh, what a beautiful car! Oh, would it be better if it, they, Would it be cooler if it came with a Vauxhall badge? <laughs> I don't know. What's a Vauxhall badge? I don't know if people know what either badge is, to be honest. So I think maybe a Holden badge might get it higher on the Google search. But um, yeah, so it does well, look a bit like a Holden badge, doesn't it? Well, it, yeah, well, that, well the one—that's yeah. a Vox—that's a Vauxhall photo you'll be looking at. And Vauxhall basically is was the, is English equivalent. Of course, a little bit of a little bit of trivia that people, some people know, some people don't, is that when they were in the closing throes of working out what to do with Holden, Holden almost became MG. Um, as an MG product almost got sold as Holden so there was a very slim chance you wouldn't have been driving an MG ZS EV in New Zealand and Australia today you'd be driving a Holden ZS EV or it would have been probably called a Holden something else EV uh, <laughs> yeah. came very close to happening is, is some of the the understanding in the industry um, so yeah it's, a, it, it's a interesting how the industry works sometimes uh, speaking of the ZS uh Kyle, uh, Kyle Cameron says, uh, "What's the news on the facelifted MG ZS EV? Do you have any more info?" Uh, yes, I do. It is very imminent. I'm driving one in a couple of weeks. Uh, it's officially launching here in a couple of weeks. There are cars. There are a couple of cars here now. There have been a couple of cars here for about three months, um, doing verification, uh, and I believe more volume is coming. Uh, the app, I think, has just launched onto the Android App Store in New Zealand and Australia because the new one has app connectivity. Um, and, well, I think there's been a couple of people jump ship from the orders to BYD. I think that's going to be a pretty popular car. It's done a lot for the market, that ZDCV. Mm. Mm. Totally agree. I, you know, I, I, I was so impressed when I took one for a test drive about a year ago, the old one, the highest spec model that was coming to New Zealand or was in New Zealand. Um, look, I thought, well, you know, the weakness and leaf is, is, is met its, met some competition here in the cheapest new EV that you can get in New Zealand. So. Mm. Oh, it's, we, way cheap. Sold... it's way cheaper than a, than a, than a leaf. <laughs> we've sold a bunch of the MG5 um, long range and standard range. And yeah, we've, the people who've had those have, have been really impressed with them. You know, some of them over a year now. Um, they've been mm. really good cars, and they're, they're, they're good solid workhorses. You can't argue. Look, yeah, the, the tech the tech in them does feel a little bit aged compared to say the BYD. The new one does get that tech upgrade that um, no doubt makes a big difference. And we've if you go jump on some of the videos of I think the Thailand spec ones. I think it's a very similar system we're getting. Um, yeah, so that's going to be kind of cool uh, to see come through. Looking forward to that and driving that. Um, yeah, uh, just running down the list first. Uh, 
Tazland says, hi, what do you think the consumer legislation regarding services? Can we do it with any MTA approved mechanic following the keep to keep the warranty intact? Be with it three service debacle. I don't think we've got the same debacle in New Zealand as we do in Australia. So I'm not sure that's necessary. I believe you do have some rights to get vehicles serviced elsewhere. Um, within warranty terms, but I think you should check with your dealer at the time that you purchase or check the warranty thing. I know that with our Ford, we were getting that serviced uh, at another at another vendor and that was um, uh, maintaining that willingness, but I don't think there's necessarily a legally mandated allowance like there is in Australia. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I would just wait and see on that one. I think BYD service in New Zealand is going to be a little more reasonable than the setup in Australia. Um, so yeah, we'll see how that one goes. Um, Mark Buckingham says they can't make enough, so won't go cheaper till they get a handle on supply. Totally yeah. true. Um, Absolutely, yeah. I'm not the sure am- if you the can... amount of people we talk to. Sorry, not sure if you can remember Martin, but can you call how long kind of Tesla stuck to the premium side of the vehicle? Like with Model Three, initially you could only buy a, a, the premium models for quite some time, I believe. Oh look! Everything went so fast. I, I wouldn't tell, but it seemed seemed forever <laughs> for those who wanted the the, the cheap ones. Um, look, I can't remember, but you know, it, it wasn't huge. Um, mm. I don't think in the scheme of things, it wouldn't have been much more than six months, nine months, yeah. would it? I can't recall. To be honest, I think the cheapest Tesla is the best Tesla. It's a, it's a yeah. really nice car. That entry level uh, entry yeah. level car. Um, John Williams, uh, why there is no cheap entry levels at level EVs is we are still paying for development. That said, the true cost over a finance period is that a new Tesla with its low fi- interest, finance rate interest, no maintenance cost and low running cost works out to be more expensive than a new, th- no more expensive than a new $35,000 Mazda. Totally agree with you on that. Um, goes back to when we were waiting for the subsidy to arrive and people were holding off on the subsidy and I was pointing, well, you Probably if you keep waiting, it may take ages, and you may have spent a whole pile of money on petrol. You didn't have to have been waiting to get an EV. Um, uh, Toyota BZ4X. They're saying next year. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. If there's one sitting down in Palmas North somewhere. There is a Subaru version uh, here testing, um, but it's a wee way off, and I think it's going to be quite an expensive car. But probably, a, I'm hearing a decent car. Um, Paul O'Connor says nothing is cool with a Vauxhall badge. I disagree. Hey, <laughs> watch yourself, Mister O'Connor. <laughs> uh, and um, what about the Corsa E? Our orange one looks co- looks uh, good. Yes, they have said that is coming. So um, yeah, that's uh, another. It's, it's uh, at Drive EV today. So just to... ah, <laughs> if you want to beat the crowds. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Look, I think we've we've just kind of crept over the hour mark, and that is a great time to to wrap this up. If there's no more questions, look, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. Uh, hopefully, we didn't put you off uh, by a whole pile of talk about Australian stuff, um, but uh, it is important now. I think we're becoming increasingly influenced by what happens in the Australian market. Um, uh, Trisha, as the last one, has said ID four question mark. Uh, ID four is uh, they are yet on a on a flight path to come here. I think we're going to see it early next year. I don't think that car is going to get under eighty thousand dollars though. But yeah, no, in fact, they've said it isn't. I think they're saying that ID three will get under eighty, but ID four will not be under eighty. Um, and even then, I think they'll be working hard to keep ID three under eighty. What do you guys sell on ID three for, Steve? 
Uh, well, we can't really get them anymore. So, um, I mean, we the so the, the the basic model out of the UK would be about yeah under eighty. Pretty, yeah. I'd say it'd be comfortably retailing just under eighty, but I don't think anything else would. I think ID ID three ID fours we were selling for about about ninety k, um, and we we can't get them for you know our cost under a hundred now basically. Um, so yeah, I don't think I think ID four will just be here's a really nice ID four. <laughs> it's sorry, it's not under eighty, yeah, but yeah, Make, makes a model Y sound like an absolute bargain, Martin. Oh, I think it is. <laughs> right, right, right. Let's. Uh, Let's uh, call that one up now. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us and listening. Again, sorry about all the other stuff, but it's been good and uh, great to have this community in the side there. Encourage your friends to come online. This is more than just a show. It's more about having this good chat with both you, the people on the screen and you guys in the comments. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm just going to go away now and do a few, a few of last tweaks to the delivery video and have that set up to go tomorrow and then the road trip video the day after that. And uh, we'll be back next Tuesday with uh, more to talk about. I'll be talking about my weekend away in a BMW i4 M50, um, which I think is about that the only car nice. out there that can, that can <laughs> challenge a Tesla for performance at the moment. Uh, 750 newton meters of torque uh and uh yeah we'll uh i'll have a great week with that uh martin you're gonna get on Keep the road in Tesla? yeah well exactly <laughs> yeah i've got an early morning uh trip to christchurch tomorrow with a uh, number of students heading up to e pro so that's uh that's a five o'clock wake up tomorrow morning and uh that's uh, in the model x that's in the model x yeah. yeah yep and steve you're off delivering it all this over the next few days uh no i've no i'm actually um i've we've we've actually got our, our driver who's also called steve just to make things confusing he's he's got a few he's going to uh new plymouth on thursday and Levin on friday so no tomorrow's just a um yeah get back to normal computer work boring day <laughs> so yeah well i might see you uh early afternoon on thursday uh, at the charger in uh, telpo cool sounds good awesome great thanks so much thanks, everyone. everyone we'll thanks, uh, we'll uh We'll see you next Tuesday.